Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I mean, what's interesting is that this week they were meant to be launching their new life as non-royals. Today marks the end of that transition period where they now officially step down. But of course, due to the coronavirus outbreak, they haven't been able to do that. They've effectively put all of their plans on ice. Hi there, you're listening to Royals, the only podcast that goes behind the walls of Buckingham Palace. I'm your host for today, Zoe Burrell, and I'm a writer about all things royal at New Idea magazine. And I'm Angela Mollard. I'm a writer, journalist, author, and royal expert. And today on the show, we're going to be chatting, of course, all about Harry and Meghan's exit from the royal family. We'll also be talking about Prince William's quest to help the coronavirus effort. And Prince Charles's fairly quick recovery from COVID-19. But first, (laughs) the Sussexes. This morning, new reports that Harry, Meghan and baby Archie are setting up home in Los Angeles. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex are reported to have left their temporary home on Vancouver Island and headed south with their 10-month-old son before the border between Canada and the US closed last Saturday. Yes, well, they've officially given up their royal duties with a message on Instagram, haven't they? That's right, they have. So they've come out, they've said, as we can all feel at the moment, you know, the world feels incredibly fragile. We're confident that every human being has the potential and opportunity to make a difference uh, as seen now across the globe in our families and communities. They talk about uh, what's important right now is the health and well-being of everyone across the globe and finding the solutions. They say that we all have to play a part in it, we have to change our habits and Then they go on to say, very interestingly, while you may not see us here, the work continues. Thank you to this community for the support, the inspiration and the shared commitment to the good in the world. And then this lovely Americanism, you've been great, which is really not royal talk at all, is it, Zoe? I mean, you never, I I can never recall the royals going, you've been great. And then (laughs) they sign off Harry and Meghan. So the HRHs, the Duke and Duchess, that's all gone. It is now Harry and Meghan. Wow, it's a whole new world, isn't it? (laughs) It really is. And I think, you know, I don't think they will really understand what's hit them. In fact, they've had a double whammy because they've not only uh, separated from the royal family, they've separated from the royal family at a moment when nobody's actually that interested in them, that anything they actually do, they can't really prosecute. So for Harry, the Invictus Games, of course, have been cancelled. Meghan's got some things over. She's got her Disney project. She's uh, voiced a documentary on elephants for Disney, although the (laughs) reviews I see are coming in. That goes to air on April the 3rd and there's been some early reviews of it saying that she sounds over eager to please and schmaltzy and cheesy, which you can imagine. Oh, no. <laughs> she took on this gig because she, back in 2016, she actually saw the recording of some of this documentary in Africa, a cause close to her heart. But I can see that sort of over enthusiasm and that desire to make a move into worthwhile projects that she could overplay it. I mean, the, you know, the, the Dave and Attenborough approach to it, wildlife documentary I think is the best in the world you know lovely restrained quiet 
I don't think we'd have Megan's voice coming over like that. And apparently that's not the case. Anyway, it'd be interesting to see what work they do. I very much think Harry will be suffering from irrelevancy pretty promptly. I mean, right now, the world's not focused on them. He can't do the work that he wants to do. They talk about in their post that they're going to sort of disappear for a while and figure out where they are wanting to be of value in the world and what projects they want to work on. But, you know, it must be hard for him. He's separated from his family at a time when, you know, the rest of the world is using Zoom or WhatsApp to chat to each other. I can hardly see that must be happening. And, you know, they must feel very separate. He doesn't have the friends in LA. She does. She has Doria. She has her family. And while Megan might have been feeling, you know, equally as removed when she lived in the UK, you know, for, for, for Harry, friends have been the people who have supported him, his friends and his brother, through the years since his mother's death. And to have that stripped away, I think, will be very discombobulating for him. Yes, I agree with you. And in regards to their actual royal privileges, what are they sort of looking to lose now? Now, let's remember that they're going to review this in a year. So there's a year for them to see if this works. I think there may be some changes in a year's time. But for now, they obviously do no royal duties. They have no access to the sovereign grant, which means British taxpayers' funding of the royal family. They obviously have to pay for Frogmore Cottage, although, of course, now they've moved to LA, presumably that's just locked up purposelessly all that money spent on those renovations not to live there I mean it's it's the height of decadence isn't it to be able to renovate a house and then not live in it so they have to pay back that money the 2.4 million dollars they'll have no office at Buckingham Palace but most interestingly they also will not be part of the Royal Rota and I think we've discussed this before the Royal Rota is the way that the media have access to the Royal Family and so if there's accreditation to various journalists and then the the material that comes from any of the events that they do is then shared. Now being outside of that will mean that they now have to uh, employ their own PR agency and this is really interesting Zoe. So they've employed two, one is called Sunshine Sachs from the US and then from the UK they've got James Holt. Um, Both very experienced PR agencies but very Hollywood very celebrity Sunshine Sachs for instance represented Harvey Weinstein and Michael Jackson and if you think about their history (laughs) those men needed their PR company so look I think they'll go a lot more along the George and Amal Clooney model of press representation which is pretty low key but Harry whatever way you look at it it's still a royal and I think the model that the royal family have followed and and remember in terms of PR the royal family's hugely loosened up in the 25 years that I've been reporting on the royals I mean we get so much more information now for two reasons one is that the the PR machine at the palaces is a lot more flexible and a lot more giving I mean even the even the language that the Queen used during the statements around Megxit was very warm, it was transparent, it was communicative. Plus, of course, everyone has their own social media platforms within the royal family now to announce what they want to. But I think we'll see a real Americanization of their PR and their messaging, which, to be honest, I'm, I'm not that ha- I, I don't think it will serve them well. I don't think it will serve Harry particularly well. Part of the... Um, you know, part of what made Harry such an appealing royal, and remember he was the favourite royal for a very long time, is that, you know, apart from the Queen, I mean, but, you know, he was always second on the list uh, straight after the Queen. I think what made him appealing was that he did have that sort of the structure and stature of monarchy, 
kind of rolled with that lovely, impromptu, funny, joking warmth that he has. Um, I don't think we're seeing that. Yes, I think there's been a big change with how everyone's viewing Harry. But of course, I also read this morning that one biographer says Meghan and Harry are acting like spoilt teenagers. What do you think of that? I mean, that's really interesting. So this has come from Angela Levin, who I used to work with in London. She's a fantastic journalist, very thorough. And she spent a year. uh, In fact, do you know what, Zoe? She was the nicest um, I mean, she's a very, very senior journalist. And when I was uh, when I was uh, young, young journalist, she was the one that was always incredibly generous in giving information. So I've got huge respect for Angela Levin. Anyway, she spent a year with Harry and wrote his uh, a biography on him a couple of years ago. She really liked him. She's always said she has huge regard for him, which is why her comments now, I think, are particularly telling. She said that she barely recognises him. She said their choice of priorities smacks more of spoilt, defiant teenagers than adults in their mid and late 30s. Very good point. I mean, they're not, you know, they're not 19 anymore. She believes that Harry has turned, and these are her words, sour, callous even, and that he's obviously stressed. She says that she believes that internally he's tearing himself into shreds about leaving his family, his country and his military connections. Now, I think that's a a really good synopsis of how he probably is feeling. Look, I spoke to somebody whose husband knew colleagues who had a meeting with Harry in a professional capacity in the last couple of months. And she said that he was incredibly focused on the press and what the press had done and how stressed he was. I think that he needs really good guidance. Now, that comes to the point that I want to make next. They have hired Catherine Saint Laurent, who used to work for the Melinda and Bill Gates Foundation, as their chief of staff. Now, I look, I know we've spoken before about all the people they've hired, and obviously those people no longer work for them because they've moved from the UK to America now. But I really hope that having somebody in the charitable space who has history on a non-for-profit can really talk some sense into them in terms of focusing on purpose, on the outside world and not on themselves and how, look, you know, there's no doubt that all that scrutiny on Harry, has he's seen it as pressure, but he almost needs to repurpose that. He's very reactive to it instead of responsive to it. You know, we, we're constantly told in psychological um, speak that you don't, you try not to react to things that happen to you, but to respond to them and find ways through them. You have to hope that a woman as experienced as um, Catherine Saint Laurent will have, you know, having worked in that marketplace, the not-for-profit, will will sort of pivot their thinking towards the work that they're doing, where they can make a difference rather than focused entirely on themselves. And I think that, you know, as Angela Levin says, you know, they are, they have been acting like spoiled teenagers. And now I know we sort of don't love to give her more press, but Samantha Markle has weighed in on the situation, hasn't she? Now, I normally don't want to talk about her, so I'm just going to be very quick, but I just just love her comments just because they're so heightened. And you know what? You know I sparingly give Samantha any attention, but I love the way she's come out and she says that the Sussexes are cruel, they've abandoned the UK and the Queen, and her she accused them of shocking grandiosity, which I thought was rich. And um, But this was my favourite quote. She said, it takes her back to the Colosseum and Roman times. Oh my gosh, I love this. <laughs> She's uh, the thing is, I can I think she can see her financial stream dying up as 
you know, her opportunity to talk about Harry and Meghan evaporates. If they move, you know, out of the public eye and we don't hear from them, then she can't critique them, can she? So I think I think she's more concerned about her own income stream than she is about their place. <laughs> How about we sort of shift gears now and chat a little bit about Prince William. Um, He apparently wants to step up and help out more amid coronavirus crisis. That's right, Zoe. So he's apparently wants to get back into the seat of the air ambulance. Now, if you remember, for a couple of years uh, ending in 2017, he worked in Wales for the air ambulance service. He loved that job. He loved being part of a community. He's spoken before about that uh, interface on the front line with people uh, in terrible situations, you know, know, crisis um, situations. And you can imagine, you can't you, he's in isolation with his family. He has a skill set which is needed at the moment. You know, the air ambulance as uh, Britain moves more towards, you know, having more people suffering from coronavirus, he very much wants to go back to that job and take part in it. Look, it's unlikely this will happen, obviously, because the reason he had to give up that job in the first place was that he needed to take uh take on more royal responsibilities. And effectively, with the Queen and um, Prince Philip locked down, with uh, Charles having suffered from coronavirus in in a way up in uh, Scotland, Prince William really is the focal point for royals and the royal effort in response to coronavirus. I mean, they sent uh, put out those lovely images of their children clapping for the nurses, clap for a carer. And I know other members of the royal family did that too, but using the children, Louis, Charlotte and George, was just a, a gorgeous moment and really uplifting for the country. So while I, I, I imagine there's nothing more William would love to actually practically help by getting behind what do you call them? You don't call it the wheel of a helicopter, do you? Oh, behind the, um, the controls? Behind the controls. And, I, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. But lovely that he feels that that's what he wants to do. Yes, I agree. It was quite touching, I think. Mm, I, I, yeah, look, you can see, can't you? I mean, the, but the fact is they are doing an amazing job. I mean, we saw them visit the ambulance service and then we subsequently saw them uh, there were postings both from him and Kate speaking to mental health charity leaders. Uh, yes, well, that was quite interesting, wasn't it? Because Kate wasn't wearing her engagement ring in the photo. That's right. And there's a reason. Mm. So on both of those occasions, both the visit to the ambulance service and, and working from home. I mean, look, you can't imagine she's going to wear that big. Um, I mean, it's a massive ring, that sapphire engagement ring, which, of course, was Princess Diana's. Well, she's not wearing it because, of course, rings are difficult when, you, when you're regularly hand washing. And, in fact, studies show that the bacteria gets caught in rings. So I imagine that's the reason that she's not wearing them. So she's not re- wearing either the sapphire engagement ring or her white gold eternity ring that she received from William. It's just the very plain Welsh gold wedding band at the moment. Very sensible uh, message she's sending there. Yes, that's so fascinating. I didn't even know that until I saw that Kate wasn't wearing her ring. I know. It made me think about my own, actually. And yeah. I, I, when I go into do television, I often put on a nice big, you know, nice big kind of dress ring. But, um, but yes, I'm back down to just, just the one. <laughs> well, it was good advice from her. Very good to you know but you don't think about those little things but of course they do because they know how everything's seen all the time don't they Mm, exactly now there's actually news about some other royals contributing to the coronavirus effort isn't there 
That's right, Zoe. So Princess Eugenie, remember her? She was the one that got married to Jack Brooksbank. Obviously, her sister is um, <laughs> is the the poor old bride who's never going to get married, it seems. But <laughs> he um, is living with her mum, Fergie. Remember Fergie, Sarah Ferguson? Yeah, they're at the Royal Lodge together. And we know this because on Friday, or last week sometime, the Duchess of York revealed that she was handing out treats to NHS workers. So she took to Instagram. She has a friend who runs a German confectionery company uh, she had this big delivery of confectionaries and um, she and Eugenie uh, and I love Eugenie she's just kind of wearing you know a lumberjack type shirt and they're unloading a package from the back of the car and then what's happening is they're putting together these sort of care packages for Lon- the doctors and staff at London hospitals driving them to the hospitals and and, and dropping them off and so in the packages they've got um toothpaste, soap, uh, dried pasta, pasta sauces, rice, cereal bars and and tin fruit. And apparently they just wanted to do anything that they could to help. But, you know, when we talk Royal Lodge and self-isolating, it's the same with the Danish royal family who put out a video yesterday showing their kids um, kicking a soccer ball and jumping on the trampoline. When they self-isolate, it's not how the rest of us self-isolate. You know, self-isolating to them is, is just normal life, really. Of course, though, we do have to talk about Prince Charles. So he's now recovered from coronavirus. Is that right? Well, Zoe, don't you think this is the big, quickest recovery in history? <laughs> Yes. After we learned about it, he's been signed off by his doctor to go back to work. And look, this is weird because internationally, of course, it's uh, a 14-day restriction on anybody you know who's who's contracted coronavirus. And he's we know that he was diagnosed, um, and then seven days later, he's said to be negative. Interestingly, Camilla is still in self-isolation because she could still um, develop symptoms apparently. But yeah, I didn't look even if he was back in sort of circulation seven days later not not that he's in circulation because he's obviously over 70 but he's having meetings and things but I I don't don't know why they would put out that message when you're trying to inform a public and and keep them on board with the 14 days so who knows but you know remarkable remarkably quick recovery and really good news that obviously it was a very mild dose for him uh with with very few symptoms he reported Yes, exactly. Very lucky. And obviously, oh, while we're talking about recoveries, Prince Albert of Monaco has also, uh, uh, we know he was the first. Oh, okay. There was a couple of minor royals to contract corona, but he was the, the first one of any note. And now he's, like Prince Charles, has recovered. Yeah. And just finally, on sort of a fun note, we're sure that the Queen is drinking lots and lots of tea while she's self-isolating, but a butler has revealed exactly how she likes her tea hasn't he I know tea sales must be going up because I'm drinking <laughs> four cups a day and I wouldn't normally but yes not not just a, a a builder's tea bag chucked in a cup with a splash of milk on top for the queen she <laughs> Assam or Earl Grey tea this is from Grant Harold uh, a butler who worked for Prince Charles He's reported that she those are her favourite uh, types of tea and that it's always with milk added afterwards. She always has fresh leaves in a teapot, put through a strainer, very fine bone china. But he made the point that uh, uh, even though we believe they, when they drink their tea, the royals stick their little finger out, apparently they don't. So there you have it. That's the official way. Oh. That- <laughs> the tea she enjoys. Uh, goodness knows she must be drinking a lot of it. Well, on that note, uh, it's that's it for today. So thank you so much for joining us, Ange. Thanks, Zoe. 
And thank you to everyone for listening. For more on the Royals, please go to newidea.com.au or our Facebook page, New Idea Royals. And of course, don't forget to pick up a copy of New Idea Royals Monthly on sale now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.